This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. Have you seen that they've brought the breakfast wrap back? Oh, have they? Yeah, they have. I can't wait to get my hands on one. I don't doubt it, mate. I'm looking forward to trying their cheesy bacon flatbread. Oh, you saw. Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get rewards points delivered too. So ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via the app at participating restaurants. 18 plus, rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Joining us today for a lovely Christmas surprise, we have the legendary former captain, conference winner, Mark Roberts. Welcome to Borough Pod. Bursting from midfield is Mourinho. Well, if that is the goal to win the promotion, it's certainly worthy of it. On Old Trafford Cracker, in front of the Stratford end. Hello, Patrick. How are you doing, mate? I'm good, mate. I've had the most middle-aged day imaginable. I've done laundry, I've done a garden <laughs> centre, I've done a bit of hoovering. It's been great. Packing up to travel to Sheffield tomorrow. So, uh, yeah, just uh, getting a last evening in the house. It's very nice. I did not expect a middle-aged afternoon. Uh, <laughs> no, actually, no, maybe I do. Maybe I do from you. Um, should we just crack straight on? Why not? Don't waste the time. Yeah. Mate. Okay, so um, obviously we've got a, we've got a special guest for this Christmas episode. Um, we played two hundred and thirty nine times for Stevenage over a five year period, scoring twenty seven goals. Uh, he is our conference winning captain. Welcome to the show, Mark Roberts. How are you, Skip? Uh, I'm good, thank you. Good evening to you both. Uh, yeah, thank thank you so much for uh, agreeing to come on and let us uh, chew your ear off about Stevenage for the best part of. <laughs> However long this lasts. Oh no, that's fine. It's always a pleasure to talk about um, a club that's, you know, still very special and dear to me. So, looking forward to it. That's 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 good to hear. <laughs> um, okay, so well, let's let's just crack straight on. So first off, uh, you came through the ranks in the uh, Crew Academy, signing a professional deal with the club uh, before being sent out on loan to. I th- if Wikipedia is, if, if Wikipedia <laughs> yeah. is correct, seven different non-league clubs before eventually finding yourself back at your hometown club, Northwich Victoria, first on loan and then permanently. Is it is it really difficult trying to come through as a youth player and you know making your name, making a name for yourself and a career for yourself in the football league? Is it really is how it, difficult it, is it when you get ships out on loan? It, it can it can be so different to every individual and. And now that I work with young players, I, I often encourage them to to go on loan because that's where you you learn your ex, experience and develop, I guess, your craft. Um, although you might feel that you're ready for the the professional game, playing senior football, particularly nowadays where it's under twenty threes or development squad, yeah. um, having that experience of, of senior football playing against. You know, men more experienced than you, um, more physically capable than you is, is really important. And although it's funny at Crew because the centre half that 
I ultimately became, I wasn't really taught how to be that um, at crew, even though that was the centre half that they were probably crying out for, you know, someone who would be dominant in both boxes. Um, and I had to to learn that side of the game by by going on loan to non-league clubs. And I was a very naive young player coming through the ranks, didn't really have any grasp or understanding of, of what levels were below the the championship um, as crew were in then what the team obviously I was trying to break into but you know in lower down the pyramid and you know step six seven eight nine it was it was new territory for me so um, my first loan move was to League Town and it was because the assistant manager at crew Neil Baker um, had close ties with the club I could have gone to Stafford Rangers in the league league above but I, 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 from memory they were struggling in the league above and the league were doing quite well in the league below and I just thought it'd be a good chance to sort of get my feet under the table and, and get some experience by playing for a team that was maybe doing it a little bit better and wasn't struggling and, and I loved it I had a couple of months there and it was you know an eye-opener for sure but it was absolutely fantastic and they welcomed me and uh, it was over like the Christmas period so there was loads of games and having played two two months and I think 10 games scored a couple of goals and then I moved up to the league above anyway, um, you know, and crew wanted me to kind of cut my teeth there. So it was an invaluable experience. One, I still look back on fondly um, and ultimately where I finished my career in the non-league. So, um, yeah, I think it's a, it's a great opportunity and that the English football pyramid is so, so unique in that way um, that you can go down and play competitive football um, and it, it, and it can do you the world of good. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's, yeah, it's it's good to hear. I, I just imagine like after you get told the news after like your seventh, you know, for your seventh loan outing, it must be like, oh, what have I got to do? To well, I suppose through. yeah. In in those loan deals, um, they were punctuated by actually making my debut in the championship and and breaking through into Cruz team. So I, I I went on loan to League, did well there. Went to Vauxhall Motors, did really well there. Um, spent three months of the the rest the remainder of that same season that I'd gone to league, um, they they were struggling in the in the conference yeah. north as it is known as now. But we went on a really good run. Um went from third, fourth, bottom to, you know, pushing into the playoffs. Um just missed out. So we finished really strong and that that obviously benefited with me with trying to break through into Cruz Cruz team and, and the following season I, I did do that. Um but then I got injured. I did my cruise shirt and then it was a case of starting from back to square yeah, one and, yeah. and starting all over again. And although I played in the championship, I'd only played four or five games and I was I was just beginning to establish myself. So I did really have no reputation as such in, in the in the football sense, in senior football. So I had to go back on loan and it was a case of going to different places and, and not really ever, apart from Southport, finding a place where I could perform at my best and I felt most comfortable you know I, I went and played with Chris Wilder at Halifax really struggled under him um, and during that time that loan spell was, was really difficult and although I was kind of being shown the door at crew um, which was again a difficult experience to go through the loan move that was supposed to reignite my career at Halifax had the opposite effect and I ended up leaving crew, signing for Northwich because it was my local team and just started enjoying my football again. And Although I then went to Accrington in the Football League, I ended back up at Northwich and 
that's what led me to Stevenage and, you know, the rest is history. Yeah. So, I mean, you see, so talking about obviously going to Northwich and then uh, Stanley and then back to Northwich before Stevenage, uh, you signed for Stevenage in 2008 after playing, actually playing against uh, Stevenage for your, for, for Northwich Victoria. Um, and then from what I read, it was a week later that Borough then brought you in just on a just just for a month to begin with, which then obviously turned into a permanent deal that January. <laughs> yeah. it, it says that I was I was kind of signed, yeah. Um, it was a loan with a view, but um, okay. I, I don't think I would have agreed to it if I didn't know there was a something more permanent, you know, in right, the pipeline. Yeah. Um, so although it was sort of reported that way, uh, it was kind of already right. agreed, agreed that I would right, sign because. It? It, it was funny because I was at I was at Northwich. Obviously, left Accrington and, and joined uh, Dino, who was manager of Northwich, um, in the season where they did unbelievable to to stave off relegation, and, and we actually beat Stevenage um, down at down at the Lamex um, to actually secure our safety. And I, I only joined on the the last month of that season, um, but. At Christmas, they had three points and and they were dead and buried. So to to actually Jesus, yes, it, it was it was. They talk about the great escape. Well, that was I don't know what that was. That was the greatest escape. It was you know. Yeah. I think the bookies had stopped taking odds on them. Um, it was it was that. Clay do you know how many that, points? Do you know how many points adrift they were? Um, I'm not sure that they had three. I'm sure it was three points at Christmas, and we stayed up with two games to go. Um. But it it must have been the gap must have been ten fifteen points. It was it was crazy, um, and it was wow. it was amazing just to to join join on the the end of what had been an incredible second half of the season. Um, and I'd started again really enjoying my football. I really enjoyed playing on Dino, and Northwich had great plans for the following season to to maybe have a push and um, try and compete at the top of the league because you know they were the form side in the league in the second half. Of the season, so um, unfortunately, the, the credit crunch hit. Um, the chairman who had money all of a sudden disappeared. Um, we weren't being paid. We had, I think, eleven signed players um, at the start of the following season. Dino was then put on gardening leave. Um, he left. Um, things then got worse. Would you believe it? And uh, you know, we, we didn't know when our wages were coming. And, and at twenty four, twenty five, I think I was at the time. I was really considering what my future in the game was going to look yeah. like because although I was I was I was enjoying playing for my local team, um, you know we were still professional, but no way of knowing where your next wage packet was coming and, and how much was going to yeah. be in that next wage packet, um, and we were all told that we were free to leave, but. Then when I played against Stevenage the following week and had a good game and Stevenage showed an interest in me, uh, all of a sudden the club wanted money. So uh, yeah, it, <laughs> it soon uh, it, it soon uh, changed in that sense. But fortunately, I was able to to sign at Stevenage and um, a season where you know I was playing for a club where we were trying to escape the bailiffs. I finished the season playing at Wembley in front of thirty thousand and winning the FA Trophy. So. You know, in terms of the highs and lows of football, the, the, there are no more extreme examples than that. Yeah, it sounds like a heck of a gear change. I was going to say, was, was there interest from Stevenage before that game, do you know? Or was it having a really good game against them that got their attention? No, because obviously, obviously Dino had gone down as um, as coach with uh, with Graham, you know, with their previous relationship. And 
it was a I guess every game you were in the shop window to try and impress and and and, and find somewhere else to play football because you you kind of knew that Northwich the club was only heading in one direction and unfortunately that was the wrong one. Um, not just that they were struggling in the league, but they just they just couldn't um, finance anything off the pitch. And it was, you know, as I say, the the, the bailiffs were there. Um, and I remember I've told the story before, but me and my mate, who was the, one of the other local lads, we used to go and collect the kit. The you know before training, where we we trained at Stockport, and I don't think we were were paying them to train where we were training. It was you know hand to mouth kind of existence. And uh, we used to pick up a van with all the and throw all the gear in the back and then drive to training. And and one day the bailiffs did turn up at the the new stadium, um, which was really nice, um, but has now been knocked down and replaced with the factory uh, factories. And the uh, the bailiffs were knocking on the door trying to get the tellies off the wall, and and we were hiding behind plant pots in the dark. And I, I was really thinking, you know, what has my football career come to? This is not how it's supposed to be. And, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, when we played against Stevenage, I was thinking it was an opportunity to impress. And obviously, I was marking Steve Morrison, who was by far and away the best striker in the league. And I had a good game and didn't really think anything of it. But then the phone rang on on deadline day. Um, it was Graham, who I'd never spoken to before. Um, and he said, you know, do you want to come? And I said, well, yeah, yeah, why not? <laughs> and and <laughs> I'd never played away from the Northwest before. And it was obviously a big move for me in terms of logistically, geographically, but it was uh, a case of let's go for it and not look back. And it was the uh, best decision ever made in terms of football, that's for sure. Yeah, I mean, my next question was going to be, uh, was it a difficult move leaving Northwich? But uh, it doesn't sound like it was. <laughs> no, in, in terms of, from a football point of view, it was an absolute no-brainer. Um, you know, I knew Stevenage, although they were struggling at the time, they were in the bottom half of the the Blue Square Premier, as it was known then. Obviously, it's National League now, isn't it? Um, but they were one of the stronger teams or one of the fancy teams and they were just kind of underperforming. And, uh, you know, you saw the squad and there were certainly talented players there, um, but they just hadn't found a way to to bring it all together. And um, being able to come in at that time where it coincided with a great second half of the season, certainly... Uh, um, was a good time to to join the club, and and there was there was clearly some talented players there. It was just maybe the the chemistry or the dynamics weren't firing on all cylinders, and and thankfully from that point on we were able to change things around, and and I was obviously a big part of that. Mm. So we've mentioned Graham Wesley a couple of times. He uh, seems like a character with a capital C. I met him at one of the Aloot Lives and he was as enigmatic in that as he seemed to be on the touchline. Um, what were your first impressions of Graham and the club when you came down here? Well, the, the I guess the very first impression was the, the phone call um, when, he, when he picked up the phone to ask me if I wanted to sign. And, you know, I, I wasn't really in a position to negotiate but because um, I was playing for a club that weren't paying my wages. So... Um, <laughs> I'd never had any dealings with him before. I'd, I'd heard bits and bobs from 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 Dino. I've been I've been you know played under Dino and and, and speaking about Graham, but not not much. Um, so I didn't have much of a understanding of of him as a person and a, and a personality. Um, but yeah, from that first phone call onwards, where there was there was long silences on the phone call, where I found myself scrambling to answer questions that were I was actually asking myself um and yeah he, he had a way of 
I wouldn't say manipulating individuals, but certainly challenging you in in weird and wonderful ways. And and from that moment on, um, he tested me, he stretched me. Um, He's exactly what I needed at that moment in time of my, I say football career, but also my life. um, Because I was... I was very frustrated as a as a footballer, as a person. Um, felt that I was doing a lot of good in terms of on and off the pitch, trying to get the best out of myself, but kind of failing to do so. Um, for some reason, things hadn't materialised in my football career to that point as I as I wanted to, as I, as I felt like I was working on. I wouldn't say deserved, but certainly putting the effort in and not really getting much reward, but. Um, I kind of, I think I needed someone to show that belief in me um, and that trust to see me as a person uh, as well as a player, someone that you know could give me that confidence to to flourish. And and I think Graham was that person, and I'm eternally grateful for the opportunity he gave me. It's good to hear that because he comes across as quite a a divisive figure, and I think it's one of those. You love him when he's bringing success to your team, and you hate him yeah. if he's getting uh, points from your team with his, uh, you know, tactics, shall we say? Um, and we've heard stories about him training without footballs and wrestling players in the gym and stuff. Have you got a story from your time with him that kind of encapsulates who he is? Um, God, how long we got? Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean, the thing is, the thing is with Graham, and and yeah, fr- from outside. Um, people would question his methods and question some of the things that he did and said, and um, I, I can I can understand that. Um, but when you were part of it, and everyone that was with within that environment, I, I, I know would not say a bad word about him. Um, he was an incredible um, man motivator. Um, he he found interesting, different, um, sometimes crazy ways of getting the very best out of you that you you couldn't see at the time. Um, so you still reflect upon now and I, I laugh and I smile and if I speak to any of the boys and you think, God, did we actually do that? Um, <laughs> but we didn't really question it at the time because obviously the results yeah. came and uh, yeah, it was every day. Um, and I'm not just saying that, every day. You did not know what to expect. Um, something, <laughs> something would would come up that you think, no, nah, no, nah, that that can't happen. Um, and <laughs> what was what I found so bizarre is that I remember when we played in the League Two playoff final, um, and I think it was uh, Ryan Lowe was a was a was a Berry at the time, and they'd been promoted, and he was in the studio, and he was. They were, they were talking about the methods, the training methods, how we, we trained so hard and it was nine till five. And it was almost like it was laughed upon. It was like, oh, you'd never see me doing that. You never you never, you never see me doing that. And you think, well, when you actually took it apart and analysed what they were actually laughing about, it was, well, we were working harder than everybody else to try and get the best out of ourselves. And that just seemed so bizarre to me because in any other industry, you'd be applauded for it you'd be respected yeah. admired for it but it for some reason it either it drew ridicule or um people talks about the dark arts and things like that but it was really just you know people pushing each other every single day to get the best out of themselves now in some clubs you know he's been since it didn't work because you know players weren't willing to do that um and that's completely up to them and it's not going to work everywhere but for us at that moment in time in that part of 
you know, history of football, it was exactly what we needed um, as individuals, as a team. Um, he was the person that drove it every single day. And, um, you know, from the, the minute I walked through the door, the fact that I made my debut when I was going to be on the bench in my first game against Wrexham, um, and it was only because of the way I defended in the set plays, which normally um, is kind of a go through the motions if you're not playing and you just kind of let the the first team do what they need to do. But I, I don't know why, but something within me just clicked that day and I thought, no, I'm going to head the ball out. It was my first day of training and I remember heading two crosses from corners that I was supposed to, I wouldn't say leave, but I just headed them out. And uh, I went back to the hotel where I was staying um, when I first moved down to the club and I got a text message which became a regular occurrence from, from Graham and he said, right, you're starting tomorrow um, because of the way that I'd obviously impressed him in the, the set pieces and, and just knowing that you had an opportunity on the training pitch in the, it wasn't a classroom, it was a, a gymnasium but we had a lot of obviously team meetings which is spoken about quite a lot um, but you could say something in a team meeting and talk your way into the team. You know, he would pick teams based on um, what he felt was going to be the, the very best on the day. And you always felt you had an opportunity, whoever whoever you were. Um, and in some squads, in some dressing rooms, you probably don't feel that way. But I think that he picked teams on merit and he picked up people based on not just the performances, but also the, the characters. Um, weren't necessarily the best players, all of us, but we certainly were a fantastic team. And that togetherness that we had and that spirit that we had was mainly down to the way that he managed us every single day. So you you mentioned you mentioned that team and sort of the character the characters. Um so looking at looking at the season where we we won the conference, um we had some we had some big sort of names and big characters come in that summer. So like Joel Byram came came in from Northwich. Um, but Charlie Griffin, Chris Beardsley, uh, Stacey Long, uh, Yemi Udabadi, um all played massive parts that season um, and, and beyond. Um, it, very, it very much felt sort of like a, from the outside as a fan looking in that the team was just really special. Um, and I could sit here and talk about so many of you guys. Um, I, I mean, me and Pat were talking yesterday and I mentioned you know I, I just started reeling off the defense and just how great it was and like and I, if I think back like to like Mitchell Cole and people just in, in, just an incredible set of just really great players but and you've mentioned again that you work just what's something that made you guys so unique and so brilliant was that you just worked so much harder than everybody else every day to get you to the point where it was just you were able to go and take that into a match and, and, and perform for so long. Saturday was often the easiest day of the week because <laughs> um, as long as you woke up feeling that you could run 90 minutes, you, you knew that you'd worked harder in the week. So um, he kind of prepared us to to perform at our best when we needed it the most. But we knew that even 80% of our best was going to be harder or worked harder than other teams around us. So... Um, yeah, it was certainly that that it was drilled into you every single day. Yeah, um, and we obviously we lost we lost Steve Morrison that summer as well, didn't we? Before mm-hmm. before before that, do you think it was just? Well, I mean, what I, I keep sort of looking at that season and thinking like, if I look at the the squads and as much as I love it, I just think like 
it just seemed to everything just seemed to come together and just at the right time with the management team and the group of players. Was there and obviously, like I said, you know, Steve Morrison was a big losing Steve Morrison was a big hit. Can you put your finger on exactly what it was that made that side so great? Because it seems like it was really like a, a you know, we were a, a greater than the sum of our parts. Well, I think I think that yeah, and, and he used to often say that the chain is as strong as its weakest link. Um, he was a big believer in that, and um, although Morrow was a wonderful striker, um, you know, far too far too good for the for level yeah, he was yeah, playing at. Clearly, yeah. because you know where he went on after his career, and he's done tremendously well. Worked so hard for that opportunity as well. Yeah. By the way, um, you know, I, I was. I suppose it was the first club that I'd been at where um, the manager was was so keen to invest in in individuals off the pitch, you know, in terms of developing the, the fitness and things like that. And yeah. um, Graham sent me to to the Speed Clinic in London um, to try and get myself an extra yard. I don't think I'd have <laughs> still was going now. It would have made any difference. But, um, you know, Speed was certainly <laughs> not my fault. <laughs> no, no, mainly worse, I think, just like being in the car for two hours driving to London and back. Um, yeah, got broke into one day. It was an absolute nightmare. Um, but but Morrow was going to to the speed centre on a regular basis. He was going to boxing training on his days off. Um, you know, and he was he was trying to find that edge. And, and Graham was you know pushing him in that direction. Obviously, it's, it's still up to the individuals to take that responsibility. Yeah. But he was finding different ways to to get the most out of people. And um, when when Morrow left, I think it. Like any team, you know, when, when a, a superstar or a, an individual that contributes so much to the to the the overall team effort moves on, then everyone realizes they've got to step up a bit more. And I think by him leaving, it brought us closer together. The ones that were already there, but also as you na- you know named the individuals that came in, there wasn't necessarily a a focal point of like he has to play or he has to score all the goals. We're not going to be reliant on one person. It was shared very equally between three, four or five players and, and then everyone contributed from the rest of the team. And I think as a team, I think there's little to doubt that we we grew um, stronger as a result of our best player leaving. Um, and that sometimes happens. And, you know, he went on to have a tremendous career um, we went on to create tremendous success, so it was a it was a tough decision, um, but also a no brainer for him because he was jumping up two two leagues, I think, at the time to to Millwall. Um, but I think it it gave us an opportunity to go right. Well, we're not going to have that striker that scores maybe forty goals, but we can have three or four that score fifteen, twenty, you know, and, and contribute in different ways. And and I think if you look at that season, you have got people like Beardo, Yemi, Griff. Um, People like Dukes from the wing scoring, obviously Joel from midfield, Bozzy from midfield, defenders contributing. You know, Lairdy himself always liked to grab a goal. Um, you know, you've got goals from everywhere. And and I think that was really important. We had Bridgio back then, who was a goal scorer midfielder. Um, can't think of the other strikers at the time. Um, but but it wasn't necessarily, oh, if he doesn't score, that, that's them done. There was goals from everywhere. And I think that made us yep. more dangerous. Um, and they weren't necessarily... You know, your obvious signings. Um, I know Yemi was from from Oxford, and, and Griff had had a really good season at Salisbury. Um, but 
they were they were team players and they were willing to put the team before themselves. And I think again that was really important. That was always the ethos for any player coming in. Um, you were joining the team. It wasn't about you. Um, and if you help the team shine, ultimately you got the best out of yourself as well. So um, yeah, it was always a collective effort. And I think uh, you know the amount of points and the amount of ge- the amount of points we got and the games that we won in that season shows that it was it was a pretty uh, astute decision from from Graham um, with the people that he brought in. Yeah, that old attitude is more important than ability mantra that you're so fond of. Well, that that's the thing because we ne- we we were never the club, although, although people would like to talk differently that. Um, at that level, we never had the biggest budget. We didn't have the biggest crowd um, or the biggest resources, and and so you got to find creative ways to get you know to the best and and to be the best. And and having lost that playoff semi final at Cambridge um, before winning the trophy and before Morrow moved on in that summer, you know that when we came back the following season from the first day, I remember Graham sat us down in the in the weights room and he asked us to. I think it was like right a motivational message that we were going to pin on the wall because um, we'd always used to do used to do the weights training um, in that room and and I remember just writing down number one that was all I was interested in winning the league um, from that first day going back to pre season it was number one because you realise that the playoffs was a lottery now I know we we won the the league two playoffs and and we were grateful for the playoffs but in the in the Blue Square Premier, as I still still call it, because uh, it's what we won. You knew that if you didn't finish first, you were you were in for a hell of a challenge in the next couple of games um, because you know any team can find form when it matters the most in the playoffs. So we were just focused in you know on being champions, and uh, you know that relentless desire I think saw us through when Oxford started well that year and. Obviously, Luton came strong towards the end of it. Um, there was just always that sole focus on being number one. Mm. So I grew up in Sheffield, a Wednesday fan, and I moved down to Stevenage for work just a couple of seasons before that. So that season that you've been describing is the season I moved from kind of local football fan coming along to his local club to a proper fan of the team. And it was that togetherness of the team that really drew me in and made me a fan of the team, which, you know, I can't thank you enough for all of that. Um, <laughs> was there a specific game in that season where you thought, yeah, we're really fucking good. We've got a chance to win this all. Um, I think early on, obviously, we'd, we'd set a stall out to to get off to a fast start, but but Oxford, I think, got off to a flyer. Um, and we, we, we stayed quite calm during that period. Um, there was always a, a focus, not just on, in that season, but in, in any season. If you lost a game, you wanted to respond in the best possible way. So one one result didn't become two, three. Um but I remember I remember, you know, obviously the what happened with Chester uh, changed the dynamics because they got booted out. We'd beat them twice and, and Luton yeah. had had drawn with them and all of a sudden the gap became, you know, very close. And then we lost against Luton, didn't we, at um at home, one 0 and that deflected sort of clearance come shot and I remember seeing their fans and they were bouncing like and they thought oh they they, they you know they sensed blood and they thought that their opportunity was was on you know and the title race on but then we just sort of stepped it up about two or three gears and um just went on a ridiculous run for the rest of the season while they conceded a goal yeah well, let alone a let alone a shot um and we just just ground it out um and I think there was just an intense belief about us then 
that it was like it was just because I think I probably felt a bit on unfair unjust that you know what had happened with the Chester thing and um, it it was us that suffered the most in terms of the top teams Um, and obviously it benefited Luton but you know it was just those games then where you just thought yeah this is a winning team and I'd never been never been part of that before or since where you walked onto the pitch and you just thought there was a belief about us particularly you know you talk about the defence that even if a even if a striker got through on goal, he just thought he's not going to score. Like he's not going to score, and, and often they wouldn't. You know, if we did concede yeah. a chance, they they just find a way to. All right, if 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 I, I me or Ash wouldn't stop him, someone would produce a, a block or, England, or Daisy England's pull off a worldie. Yeah, well, exactly. And then you've got <laughs> Daisy behind you, you know, and you know, as solid as anyone, so and reliable as anyone. So yeah, there was I think. I say one to eleven, but the whole squad there was just like an intent belief. I don't think there was one particular game. It was just every game, you know. Um, yeah. and that's very think, that's once you're part of that, it's very special. Like, yeah, I think for me, like if I if I if I think back to that season, because uh, that was that was my first season, like coming to Stevenage regularly. Um, you both so, like, picked well, a good one, then, didn't you? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. My, my first Stevenage game was the FA Trophy against York in the, the, the final right yeah. and then my very next my next game I went to one all I think it was one all draw with Tamworth I to open that season yeah. and I was like oh shit um but I did keep coming back um I think that season I think it was a 6-0 away win at Eastbourne where I was like oh yeah, yeah. I scored in that game yeah this I can remember that one yeah I was it. thinking this... of that that's funny I was well, I was thinking of that one I was like that yeah. this, this is it now like is that when Mitch we, came on and scored a hat trick I think yeah, I think you're right, yeah. Um, we finished with 99 points that season, which ended up yeah, being 11 been clear under, of... Should have been under five, shouldn't it? Yeah, yeah. should. <laughs> it was, it, we ended up 11 points clear of Luton with a fifty-five, a plus 55, five, 55 goal difference. Yeah, It's just incredible. Um, amongst all of the professional football seasons you've had in all your career... It's got to be right at the very top. Oh, it? yeah. Because um, it, it's strange when, you, when you're in the playoffs, and I've been lucky to do that twice. Um, it's like winning, the, I suppose, what would be the, the trophy in the league in one, you know. It, but but quite often there can be um, moments along the way which weren't so good or you, you had a dip in form, even when we got into you know the League One playoff um, semi-final. I think we lost five games on the bounce and it was the only time it ever happened at Stevenage under Graham. Um, and it was like, well, this isn't supposed to happen. You know, but you can have that period of within a successful season that you think, and even at Fleetwood, when I got into the playoffs, it, often throughout the season, we felt like we were underperforming and it was weird because we ended up finishing fourth, but there was such an expectancy for us to get automatically promoted. We could have blew it in the playoffs, but fortunately we produced the best. Um, you know, and when it and made it count, but yeah, that season when you when you win a league and it's the only time I have done it in my career, um, and to get that many points, and particularly I think if I'm right, we won 14 out of the last 15 after that Luton game. Um, it's that's just just mad, like it's just it's mad, sensational. Right? Yeah, and there must have been in and in that I I don't know how many clean sheets. You, someone like Scott Laird would definitely know that. Like it was, uh, <laughs> you know, it must be. Double figures of 10, 10 out of that, yeah. those fifteen games were yeah. clean sheets, and um, you know 
sometimes you've you've got to grind them out. Sometimes you've got to blow teams away. You've got to win in totally different ways. And, and winning football matches at any level consistently is is the hardest thing to do. Um, you know, and to go and win 25, 30 games, which is what it takes to to get towards that points total, is is not easy. And anyone that does it. Um, doesn't matter what budget you've got, um, but if you've done it, you, you've yeah. deserved it. Um, it's really special, yeah. Yeah, um, particularly in a league where when anyone can beat anyone, and you're playing Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, relentless schedule. Um, it takes a it takes a special team to achieve that. Yeah, so the fo- we'll move on to the following season, which is obviously the first first football football league season as a as a sorry first season as a football league side for Stevenage. Um, what were the what were the sort of the pre season expectations for the for the squad? Did you go in with a win it? I'd imagine most have a target <laughs> a target of target of you know somewhere to, at the end of the season, and I don't imagine Graham Wesley would allow you to have no. anything other than success. Um, um, yeah, I think. Uh... Obviously, the, many of the players have played played at that level, um, or played you know a season, one, two, or three seasons at that level, uh, you know me included. But ultimately, I'd failed. So my memory of, of playing League Two football was 30, 30, first 30, 35 games at Accrington, and then being shipped out on loan, starting the season well, but being in a mid-table team where it was up and down. My performances were up and down. And ultimately, you've been told that you, you're not good enough in your surplus to requirements. So, mm. I guess there's that trepidation um, that you're feeling going back into it. You know, I was, I was confident of the squad that we had. Um, you know, with a few more additions, we were adding quality. And you thought, well, we've won so many games last year. Why, why not carry that momentum forwards into into League Two? Um, but. Yeah, it was also the first time the club had been there. So they've been, you know, you've got nothing to compare it against, which is exciting, but also a bit um, nerve wracking in terms of, you know, how are we going to do? Where are you going to pitch yourselves? And, and, you know, Graham being Graham, it was let's go and win the league. And um, and with League Two, you, you've always got that opportunity, haven't you? You know, to to have success because it's it's so wide open, it's so competitive because of the fact that three get promoted and then the next four is obviously in the playoffs and um, and obviously now it's two getting relegated. So there's just such a intense competition for places um, from from minute one. Um, but we, we didn't, you know, obviously hit the ground running and, and you know, come winter time, January time, you know, I won't say the, the wheels were falling off, but... It, it wasn't looking very good, was it? Because you know, I think I think coming Chris, towards the Newcastle game, we were seventeenth, nineteenth, something like that, weren't we? And uh, yeah, we 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 started. I think we started fairly well, and then we dropped like a stone. There was a run, yeah. a really dreadful run in sort of November, December, which just saw us plummet. And remember him taking me off in one game. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it did often happen, but yeah, yeah. it was. Uh, yeah, just struggling for that consistency, really. Of even if we won a game, it wasn't followed by another win. Or, um, yeah. and as as well, you know, in the second half of the season, when we did manage to string some results together, we just catapulted up the table. So it's again, you know, one of those one of those divisions where if you can put five six games together where you win five or six, you know, you've got a great chance of of getting in the mix and. You know, we were all of a sudden the team in form and 
um, heading in the right direction. It was just a case of whether we'd left it too late to get in the playoffs, but but thankfully we uh, we snuck in just before. Well, we got almost snuck in a bit too early because then we ended up, uh, I think, losing at Northampton, didn't we? Uh, and so uh, it was yeah. it was a case of yeah trying to time it right, but. Um, thankfully, we we just snuck in there. I think it was like sixty nine points, wasn't it? Six, you, six, if you, 60 like six, if you compare points, that to yeah. that, you compare compare that to the season before, you, you're thirty points short, aren't you? So yeah, yeah. it's mad. Um, the outcome was the same. You get promoted. So I think I remember at the end of that season there being a three all with Barrow and I th- uh, not with Barrow, but uh, Berry. And I think like that was the game that 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 was they were already promoted, and that yeah. was the game that saw us qualify to, to make the playoffs. I'm sure it was that game because I remember not. I think the same week, Notts County drew with drew two all or one all with Brighton, which which prevented them from making the playoffs. And I just remember being in the crowd and just sweating for 90 minutes. <laughs> yeah. I just had bit, no idea tense. what was happening. It was so back and forward, that game. It was one of the, what well, I mean, one of the, now I think back, like one of the greatest games of football I think I've ever been at, uh, yeah. just because it was so fucking entertaining from start to finish. I, oh, it was, yeah, because we, we played at Northampton. I think we got beat 2-0 and um, we had a couple of men sent off. So obviously that impacted on not just the, the last game against Berry, but also mm. um, the playoffs as well. Um and in, in, in the end, obviously, it, it meant that someone like Joel and came into the team and ended up scoring in the playoffs. So it was, you know, works both ways, doesn't it? Um, it? Can be a blessing in disguise sometimes. But yeah, that that last game of the season, when you think, I think we, I think, I think all we needed was a point. But yeah, like you say, very neat. Were the same. They needed, I think, just something from the game to make sure they they did get automatic and obviously results go in the way or, or whatever. But yeah, it was uh, it was to and fro and. Um, it was just nice to get over the line because you just thought, well, if we're in the playoffs, we've we've got a chance. And you knew, you know, I'd back us all day in the knockout competition with the team that you're playing for. So, uh, yeah, it was just nice to get in there. So you mentioned the Newcastle game, which no mm. Stephen his final did reminding was a three-one revenge win to uh, get back from the last FA Cup time we played them. Um, did you go into the game as a squad thinking that? It would go the way it went, or were you surprised as the rest of the country? Um, I, I talk about it now, actually, with with some of the boys that I work with. Um, you know, they do, we do sessions around confidence and, and how you build confidence. And, and and again, going back to Graham, he was a master at managing to to lift our confidence, build our confidence, um, grow our confidence with with one another. And uh, before that game, we'd played. Um, Gillingham away, lost one nil. We were we were terrible, well below par. Um, it was one nil, but you know it could have been two or three, and it was a, a disappointing day. And they played Newcastle played in midweek. They were fifth in the Premier League. Um, they won five nil at home. And Graham went to watch the game on the Tuesday night, and he came back in on the Thursday team meeting. Right, lads, we're going to win on Saturday. Absolutely convinced that we were going to win. He'd he'd sat in the um, director's box after the game and I think it was obviously Pardew it was manager at the time and he was mm. he was saying that you know they're not going to be ready for us and this that and the other week prepared and you know we're thinking we just lost to Gillingham they're, they're fifth in the Premier League but um, <laughs> <laughs> it took, took a bit of convincing but then when we went to have our pre-match um, he sat us down and he got he got organised us in pairs and he, he said to 
sit with your teammate and and write down uh, two or three things that that you love or enjoy playing with your teammate. So I was with Ash, um, wrote a couple of things down. He wrote a couple of things down for me, and then Graham got us all to stand up and say in front of everyone why we love playing with such and such. So again, one of those just simple things which make the world a difference, makes you feel about 10 foot tall when you're your teammate, particularly when it's John Ashton, saying lovely things about you. And I remember um, went back to the ground, um, getting changed, put what Ash had uh, written about me next to my peg. Um, And it was the last thing that I looked at before I went into the tunnel. And I know it's easy to say, but I walked into that tunnel absolutely convinced with what Graham had told us in the lead up to the game, we were going to win. He told us we were going to win 5-0. He'd said in the press we were going to win 5-0. Um, <laughs> it didn't quite materialise oh, that God. way. But I think anyone who watched the game can say we fully justified Oh, the yeah, we're absolutely that, the, brilliant. The result that actually went our way. So, And I think that was just, again, one of the, the magical things within that dressing room that I understand a bit more about now uh, with what I do, but also having experienced different environments, spoken to people about how they thought about us or viewed us. Um, When you're in that environment um, and you're fully immersed in it, it can feel, I wouldn't say normal because it never felt normal. It was always (laughs) quite, (laughs) it's never normal, but it, it's what you come accustomed to. um, And it's, you know, you're surrounded by people that you know are just as special as you um, because you're creating this history together but everyone else views you in a very different way. Um, and that intimidation that we spoke about within our dressing room, a lot of opponents clearly did feel. Um, you know, we, he'd have in the, the tunnel coming out of um, the away dressing room, he'd have pictures of our players on, on the wall looking down on the players. So we'd have, we'd take the pictures when you do your... Um, you know, your pen picks for the start of the season with yeah. the first team photo. And then you'd have to do like a nice smiley face for the for the programme, but also like a snarling face. Um, <laughs> <laughs> look, look as I'm... Now, now, things like that used to make me feel proper uncomfortable, but other people like proper bought into it. Like, <laughs> Yeah, I, I fully expected you just to say he'd just have Dino stood staring at Dan. Because <laughs> I, I can imagine opening the door and seeing Dino glaring, you'd be like, you just close the door, wouldn't you? Yeah, so you'd look up and you'd see John Ashton or Michael Boswick, um, <laughs> like seven foot tall, just looking down yeah. at you. But, um, you know, I, I spoke to, you know, teammates that I played with afterwards that played against that team and he said, just like you'd come out of the tunnel and like they'd be like every person after you would be bigger the next person would be bigger and and, and it was obviously yeah. how they felt going into the game now you know don't get me wrong when I turned around and looked down the line I thought yeah I, I believe in every one of you um I know you've got my back I've got I've certainly got yours I'm ready to run through a brick wall for you um but the fact that other people felt that about us obviously gave you know, sometimes as a, a one nil advantage before we'd even kicked off. Yeah, my my favourite thing about that game was Stacey Long scoring the most Stacey Long goal in the history of goals. <laughs> he loved did he did he ever score a goal that just went straight in or did it always take a deflection on the way? I don't know. Yeah, we probably say that he's he's, he's clever, clever lad, uh, Stacey, uh, multi talented. So yeah, I wouldn't put it past him to actually play for a deflection. <laughs> I bet it was brilliant at snooker. 
Yeah, oh, <laughs> magic tricks. Mag- magic tricks were his thing. He was he was really good at magic tricks. Really? Uh, yeah. Oh, we had some we had some multi talented uh, players like John Messina. I could turn his hand to anything. Uh, moves like. Singer, songwriter, guitar, yeah. <laughs> that sort of, that sort of follows on with what you're saying about Wesley just always sort of bringing in not just like these great footballers, but like everyone's everyone's got some something about them. There's like real characters everywhere, you know. Uh, oh yeah, and then some some of the things that we we used to do, like you know, in terms of that team building, it was never it never they never felt forced or fake, yeah. um, you know, and and sometimes. He obviously manufactured situations where it took us out of our comfort zone. You know, we do things like on a Thursday um, afternoon where you have to entertain your teammates and you have to take it in turns. So you'd have to think of something to entertain your teammates for, you know, five minutes. And, and there was some, <laughs> some some more interesting ones than others. Uh, some people felt more comfortable doing it than others. But, you know, by stretching each and every one of us um, yeah. in different ways and prodding and probing, um, there was always that, a feeling that you were going to take responsibility on the pitch when he couldn't do that for you. Um, and, you know, in terms of me as a captain, I was surrounded by different types of leaders, which enabled me to lead in my way. So when I say to, you know, I probably didn't feel comfortable being the person that was having a picture snarling in the, in the dressing room, like it just wasn't me. Um, but then someone like, Ash or Bozzy or whatever, Beardo, might be really comfortable at doing that. So it enabled me to be me. Whereas when you've been at other places, sometimes, you know, you don't really feel like you're being yourself. You've got to be someone else or you're trying to be the person that the manager wants you to be. Um, and it never really works out or it might work out for a short period, but it's never going to be sustainable. So, you know, I think he was just really good at encouraging each and every one of us to to stand on tiptoes together um but also do it in our way um it wasn't it's got to be that way it was kind of let's find our own way um you know that's why you get results like the newcastle one yeah so we talked about revenge games against newcastle for club's history and we've mentioned accrington a few times did that playoff semi-final feel like a revenge game for you or were you just trying to treat it as any other fixture um I'd be lying if I said I didn't, but it was more, it wasn't so much that because I played for Accrington and it didn't really work out for me there. Um, it was more because Graham did not stop talking about Accrington in the second <laughs> half of that season. Kept on telling us what a wonderful team they were because they did play some brilliant, expansive football. Um, but he was like comparing them to like Barcelona at times. And, and, and I don't know if it was like... <laughs> Um, reverse psychology or you know some clever he tactic he said a premonition but, that we were going to get him in the playoffs uh, it, it, he must have done because you know he, he spoke about him enough like um, <laughs> so when it, I, I know I felt that way and you know obviously I, I used to live with with Joel who played for Accrington as well um, was from 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 Clitheroe just up the road from Accrington so you know it was a, certainly a, an important game for him um, yeah. and I mean both played for them and you know we, we, we obviously respected the way that they played and particularly the second half of the season. But um, when we come to the game, I was thinking, I don't know, it, it certainly gave that extra couple of percent of motivation that didn't really need, but certainly helped us get over the line. And I thought 
in those two games, we were just so professional in how we went about our oh, job. I, I think I thought we were again, phenomenal. Yeah, I said about Fleetwood when we produced the best when it mattered so in the playoffs. I thought I thought we were superb. You know, in both games and obviously the final Ooh, as well, boy. but particularly both games against Accrington from the, the first minute, I just thought we completely dominated, um, and I think we just peaked at the right time. So one of my favourite things about the Accrington playoff semi final win was the comments their manager made about us between like between those two games just to get one over the team after hearing him talk about about us in that way was um you know it made it that little bit extra special for us oh, okay. i can't remember what he said so you'll have to remind me oh it's just you know big <laughs> strong physical cynical Stevenage. Oh, yeah. i'd love to take yeah. them down Interesting. Uh, yeah, well, obviously, I, I know Coley well and Jimmy. I, I played for him, played against him many a times. Um, you know, I've seen how they've adapted, changed over the years, um, you know, and produced not just one or two teams, but three or four teams um, at Accrington, you know, done punched well above the weight. So, th- yeah, it was it was just our time, I think, to... to to kick on and um, you know they just missed out it just shows you with the playoffs they'd they should have got promoted on the final day missed out by a goal or something like that um, so we're, we're going into the playoffs probably thinking this is the last thing that we want to do and, and Stevenage are the last team we want to play um, but we were thinking you know this is our moment to, to shine so um, it certainly works in our favour and, and you know that's the the wonderful nature of the playoffs and, and we certainly benefited um, that year so that's for sure yeah, so what was it like winning the playoffs at Old Trafford? Which obviously you know you didn't grow up that far away from Manchester and Old Trafford. What was it was it like winning it there and that, that goal from Bassino, what a finish that was. <laughs> yeah, still thanking for that. Um well obviously, you know, I was been sort of well documented in the past. I'm a huge Man United fan. I was a you know, first club that I ever supported. Went to the Stratford End when I was seven years old. With my dad was a season ticket holder for up until I was sixteen and signed at Crew and um, you know it was at the Champions League final in the new camp in '99. So you know, oh, I've, I've seen, oh, yeah, God. I was I was there. So as a as a oh. fan, the clo- the closest that has ever come to that game was probably the World Cup final the other day. To be honest, in terms of getting me off my seat, um, yeah. but yeah, the I've, I've seen all the wonderful Man United teams, Man United captains. Yeah. I, I dreamed of playing there as a, as a young boy. Was signed at United at 10 years old by Nobby Styles and released a year later, unfortunately. So I was rejected by the club, but, you know, did play with for them for a year. So yeah. had to wait a long time to get to the Theatre of Dreams. But when it, when it did come true, it was just, a, you know, the, the most surreal... Yeah. Amazing day as a as a player, as a person, my family, friends, all there. It was just just magical. Um, you know, oh, we had the home dressing room, you know, and they were all there to see me lift the trophy in front of the Stretford end. Yeah. So oh, just amazing. a magic, magic moment. Thank God Torquay didn't spoil the day, eh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there was no chance of that. Um <laughs> yeah. I, I was thinking about it the other day, funny enough, like, and you're thinking how how so many things have to conspire for for that. Situation to to materialise, you know, the fact that we were struggling in January in League Two, the fact that the final was changed because, you know, the Champions League yeah. final was in Wembley. Yeah. There's there's so many variables that were at play there, but 
for some reason it was just meant to be and and once yeah. I was there and um we got there I, I thought there's no way I'm going to miss out on this opportunity because it's not going to come again um so yeah it was just a amazing amazing day um uh so move on to the league going straight up to to league one the following season again club defied all expectations and ended up in the playoffs again sort of you know I, I asked you about our ex- club's expectations going into into their first season in the football league what was the expectation then going on into league one was it finally Graham was like okay let's consolidate or was he like no nope. championship championship <laughs> it was win the league again um yeah and it and he, he, he said it, he meant it. Um, he, he told us about speaking, I think we played him that year, um, Dagenham in a pre-season friendly and uh, John still was the manager and they, similar to us, they'd, they'd gone from sort of the conference to League 2 to League 1 and um, they got relegated sort of last, last game of the season or, you know, last yeah. couple of games of the season and he said to, he said to Graham, you know, Oh, unlucky old, little old Dagenham, so unlucky. We we nearly stayed up. We nearly stayed up, and and I think it's a, it's it's a great lesson to learn, really. That if you if you set your your bar too low, then yeah. you know if you fall just below that, you you might regret not setting it high enough. Now, maybe winning the league was unrealistic, um, and maybe the bar was set too high, but we still finished in the playoffs. Yeah. Um, which isn't a bad consolation. So, yeah, I think without that mentality, you might have just finished in mid-table, you might have finished in the bottom half, you might have even got relegated um, and you wouldn't yeah. have enjoyed, you know, the the great season that we had in that league. So I think I think more teams in recent years, smaller clubs have, have maybe done similar things and punched above yeah, the weight in yeah. League One. But at the time it seemed... You know, there were some big clubs in that league. There's always big clubs because obviously yeah, you've got teams yeah. coming down from the championship. But we had like the two Sheffield teams, mm-hmm. Charlton, Preston. Um, yeah. You know, there was there was lots of competition in that league. Probably MK Dons at the time. Yeah, they were in there. Um, Peterborough. They were Peterborough, yeah. Yeah, well, they're either there or the championship, aren't they? They, like, they, they, one they, they the bounce other, up and down, and down, don't they? Yeah. They do, they do. So, um, yeah, it was... And like I said before, we had we had the Huddersfield as well. They were in there. Yeah. Um, we had that little wobble where we we lost four or five games, um, mm-hmm. and that was tough. And I think you know everyone sort of looking around, questioning, you know, can we do it again? Is it is it have we got enough here? Can we yeah. can we compete? Not compete with these teams, but can we can we go on a a run and actually do something and achieve something quite special? Yeah. But then we played. We played uh, Patelno, uh, Sheffield Wednesday, we beat them 5-1 at home. Um, and I think then we realised that no one wanted to play us, um, mm-hmm. especially at home. And when you go to those away games, you know, big places like Hillsborough, Bramall Lane, and you've got 30,000 fans there and, you know, we're taking our little contingent, but, you know, very proud of who we support and, and what we stand for that you think this is our chance to spoil everybody's party and we we, we sort of relish that and we, yeah. we like being the underdog um, and we like doing things that no one had done before so you know that that played into our hands I think and it became our great strength so yeah really you know, I played every minute of that that season um, I think it was 56 games scored 7 goals and it was it was probably my best season in in competitive football, um, 
you know, manage the team as well. And yeah, um, although Graham left, it was possibly well, it didn't finish as I wanted it to. Um, it's probably the the standout season of my career. So you mentioned yeah. Graham Wesley leaving. Um, obviously, he left Preston in that the January that season. What was the mood like in camp as the sort of the news began to fill through? <laughs> First, that Preston were in, you know, coming in for him, and then second of all, that he was actually off. Yeah, it was it was emotional to be honest. It was really tough. Um, yeah. We'd spent so we'd spent a long time together. We'd been through so much. Um, I remember we played we played at Reading in the FA Cup, beat them 1-0. Oh, yeah. um, Darius Charles scored yeah, that. Yeah, and I, was, I remember that. And obviously we'd we'd lost the season before at home to them, haven't we? So it was kind yeah, of, yeah. again, a score settled, but a, a, another step in the right direction. We beat a championship club um, on their home patch. And I remember in the dressing room, because he had a pop at me for doing a bad clearance with about five <laughs> minutes to go, but... Um, we just won one nil in the FA Cup, and you're thinking, "Come on, Graham, give us some praise." Um, but <laughs> there was rumours circling then about yeah. potentially Preston coming in, and then obviously he went to speak to him and he addressed the players, and we were in a good position, healthy position, just won in the FA Cup, sitting well in the league, and you know ready to kick off, kick on in the second half of the season, get stronger as we always seem to do. Um, and the squad was remaining together, but it looked like obviously the management was going elsewhere, and, and I and I understood it was always going to happen that you know vultures come circling, don't they, to successful teams and yeah. cherry pick the best performers or the best you know coaching coaching staff. It happens in football, and and that is the nature of the beast because you know we're not at the top of the pyramid, so it was likely that it would happen. It was just you know we'd managed to stave off that interest for so long. Um, you know, you thought it might never end, you know, even how unrealistic that might be. So yeah, it was, it was a strange atmosphere in that week um, because then when he came back in and addressed us, it was a case of it hadn't still hadn't been sorted and it was, and it wasn't, and it wasn't, and it wasn't. And then Philip approached me, but it was only after Graham had spoken to me um, that he thought I should take the team which was a bit of a shock um, because I wasn't sure that he was going, um, but it clear, clearly was. And he thought I should take the team and then spoke to Phil and he asked me to and very proud and to be able to be given that opportunity. Um, and I remember walking into Costa and the lads I used to play cards with and have a coffee with most days after training and said, look, lads, I'm taking the team need some help and um they were like right no problem let's do it and yeah it was it was obviously incredibly sad to to see him go not just him but you know graham leaving with dino and and john as well who who, who both played such an important part of our success it, it really did feel like the end of an era um and you know football moves on but it was difficult to let go it was a good successful interim period you had with uh, two wins and a draw. Did you try and do anything different during that time, or was it just a case of ticking it over till uh, Gary Smith came in? Well, I knew, I knew, I knew, yeah, I knew it was only going to be temporary. Um, I didn't know who was coming through the door at the time, um, but I just thought it would be best to to maintain things that Graham, you know, and the coaching staff had 
had had started and and had done served us so well for such a long time. So I didn't I didn't change particularly too much um, in terms of the training. Didn't really have time to, to do anything like that. <laughs> so you know I, I found out on the Thursday um, evening after training. I took training on Friday. And we were traveling up to Rochdale on the train. So. <coughs> There's not much you can do that's very different than what we'd have normally done. Um, but it's it's when I arrived at the hotel up in Manchester that you realise, oh, right, I'm responsible for the boys here, not just, you know, on the pitch as the captain, but also as the player manager off it now. So, you know, organising team meetings, things like that, um, were just something I was used to because the responsibility that Graham encouraged us to have. But it's just obviously on a different level um, and I tried to remain as calm as I could for the boys because I thought it was important that it wasn't about me it was about us and I think that was the focus of the the Rochdale game and, and what created that success there was that you know it, there's no I in our team it's all about us um, and it was about them and creating history again and I would argue um that that day for me was as special as Old Trafford, was as special as at Wembley um, when I've won there. Um, it was as special as winning the championship because for me that was everything that epitomised our team and my time at Stevenage. That togetherness on that day was just like nothing I've ever felt or seen before or since. Yeah, and that certainly came across in the performance. Oh well, even yeah, when they they equalised and we just went up the other end and oh sorry, not equalised. So I think it was they got a goal back and and we just went straight up the other end and scored two in quick succession. And you know the way that we celebrated the goals, the way that we were in the dressing room afterwards. You know, Beardo just put the music on. We all jumped on the benches and just no team talk required and just enjoying that moment together, um, knowing how much we'd put in. Um, and a, a day that, like I say, I'll remember for the rest of my life, I'm sure the lads involved, sure the fans that were there will appreciate that, you know, it was a very special afternoon. Um, and, yeah, not something that you get to experience every day in football. So it's certainly one that I'll savour. So, uh, so uh, obviously, Gary Smith, was uh, was Graham's replacement, uh, a manager that you know had, had a pretty promising managerial career. It seems you know having won the MLS Club Cup with Colorado Rapids, and I believe that at the time they had the smallest budget in the the MLS. Yeah. So uh, you know winning it was a a, a massive a massive achievement. Um, he obviously arrived late January. Um, didn't have time to do anything in the transfer window that year. Just sort of rolled with the team that was there, but. Uh, yeah, he 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 certainly from from the outside it seemed that he kept things sort of as they were. Perhaps you know certainly on the pitch, you know things things continued to go pretty well, and we you know we we certainly you know potentially even improved. And he took us to the playoffs and uh, obviously lost one 0 on aggregate with Sheffield United there. Um, oh, after that period of success for the you know the last few years with. Winning the the FA Trophy and the conference and the playoffs, it must have been such a bitter pill to swallow. Particularly because everybody at that, you know, we'd been the underdogs for the last two years, really, and no one expected us. I mean, I'm not going to lie, myself, I didn't expect us to keep achieving what we were doing. It's fucking phenomenal to watch it, um, but it must have been really sort of bitter pill to swallow going out. Uh, you know, one nil. You know, there was almost nothing between the two sides. 
um, over the over the, the 180 minutes that you played. It, it must have been f- fucking horrible, really. Uh, it, it was, I think. Um, I guess the the disappointing thing. Um, I mean, I think Gary had a very difficult job to to take. Um, it wasn't like he was, you know, obviously replacing Graham. Um, yeah. Completely different characters and. You know, you're you're trying to do things your own way, but with a squad like you say that is is someone else's, and you're trying to put your own stamp on it. But we drew quite a lot of games. Um, I think we went on a crazy run where we we drew like seven out of eight or something. So we weren't getting beat, but we weren't losing. But sorry, we weren't winning, um, and that sort of momentum was stalling. Um, but we 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 managed to, you know, get into the playoffs, and I don't think. Even if Graham had have stayed, I don't think hand on heart we'd have we'd have got automatic promotion because you know the Sheffield clubs that were fighting it out for that second spot. Um, I think they ended up over ninety points, which, as we said before, that's one hell of a lot of points to get or accumulate over the course of the season. I don't think we were ever on target for that. Even if we'd have had a strong second half of the season, I think you know we'd have been maybe high eighties, but not towards like 90 plus. Um, so I think the goal of automatic promotion was maybe a bit too, a step too far that season, but the playoffs, which we achieved was, was the target. Um, and I guess what was disappointing when we got into the playoffs and maybe, maybe I know hindsight's a wonderful thing, maybe where Graham would have, um, added something slightly different. I don't know. Um, that knockout football, I think we'd have gone for it a bit more. Um, I think there was every intention to go for it, but that first game at home where we drew nil-nil, it was like not either side didn't really lay a glove on each other. Was that our opportunity missed? Maybe, um, you know, to really take the scruff of the tie by the neck and and stamp our authority on it. Um, possibly, I don't know. Um, you know, it's quite a long time ago now and, I'd like to think that we give it our best and we did, but yeah, to lose one nil in such a sort of cagey fashion, um, late on as well, it was, yeah, possibly a case of an opportunity missed, I think. And you know, when you're in knockout football, you just never know. Um, it was always going to be a a tough ask beating Sheffield United and then Huddersfield in the final, but yeah, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I still feel that maybe we, we could have done a bit more, but I suppose that's just the mentality I had and yeah, still yeah, have yeah. now. Yeah, there's a, there was a great moment from that uh, game, sort of unrelated to the football, really. Um, one of the one of the guys that we do this pod, podcast with, Dean, um, the sky cameras caught him after the goal went in, looking absolutely furious and miserable <laughs> and everything you would imagine. Having gone, you know, gone, gone behind in the playoff semi final, but the best thing about it is that the person, one of the people that he was with, is like having a right old jolly time and having a right old giggle, and so you could see her just talking at him, and he's just staring towards the pitch, looking absolutely yeah. miserable. It's, I like to remind him of that because it. I remember it, I was obviously sat at home doing the exact same thing, staring at the TV like, for fuck's sake. Well, I suppose um, it's a sign of how far we came, though, isn't it? That yeah, you felt, yeah. I felt I felt the same at Tottenham when we lost there. Oh, I felt oh, that was an yeah. opportunity missed. I felt we could have yeah. beat them. Um, I think that was the level of belief, not just in the players, but clearly from the fans as well. Going ahead in that we, game was amazing. 
Yeah, yeah. but that, I think that's what I mean. It wasn't like oh, we shouldn't be doing this or we don't deserve no, no. to do this. There, there, there is a genuine belief that we can do this. Um, and when you don't do it, you think, well, we could have done this. Um, so, yeah, I think it, it's okay to be very proud, <laughs> but also disappointed yeah. um, and frustrated and everything that goes with it. Because um, certainly yeah. that's uh, my reflection of I, I just like how I felt at to- the time. Yeah, I just like bringing it up to remind him that he was on TV looking miserable and so. Um, so that summer, after don't worry, the playoff, I, don't worry, I was I was crying on the pitch. So <laughs> yeah, um, so that summer after the uh, after the playoffs, uh, the club turned down multiple offers for you and uh, John Ashton from Doncaster Rovers. Um, with with the playoff loss and with Graham leaving, had you had any thoughts about maybe you know moving on, going for a different challenge or? Or maybe even, you know, had you thought, do you know what, we've got a new manager, thing, th- things could, you know, we're still on an upwards trajectory at the moment. Let's see where it goes. Um, yeah, I did. Um, but um, Phil did not want me to go. Um, I wasn't allowed to go. Um, I was kept to my contract, um, which obviously I honoured. I I didn't want to leave the club um, in bad circumstances because it meant so so much for me Um, and I watched the club change I watched people that I cared deeply about leave Um, some obviously because they were out of contract others were allowed to leave Um, I know those decisions weren't up to me but I felt like a big shift or too big of a shift happened Um, and obviously the ones that then were under contract like myself like Ash it was going to be a lot more difficult, even if we were in demand to be allowed to leave, because then obviously Bozzy and Laurie were sold for big sums of money, um, yeah. which at my age and Ash's age, we were never going to command, but maybe mm-hmm. the club expected. So there's a lot of things at play um, yeah. at moments like that. I know in terms of what I promised the club, and the chairman was to to give him and them the season of my life, which, as I said, I did. Um, you know, I've been played every minute and taking us to the semi-finals and mm-hmm. managing the team. Um, yeah, it, it didn't happen. The move that maybe I felt like I'd earn or yeah wanted at that point, but that's football. So mm-hmm. you know, you move on, and I don't have any resentment for not moving on because, you know, like I say, that I'll, I'll be forever grateful for, for playing for Stevenage because it's such an important part of me. So, yeah. you know, there's, there's a lot of things that changed during that time, which, again, some completely out of out of anybody's control. Um, but that, that, again, was it was just like the end or that transitional period is, is tough and, and, and to be watching that change and being part of that change and, and sometimes feeling helpless to to stop that or hold that was was very difficult for me personally yeah. um, to, to watch before my eyes because, you know, I cared deeply about the club and I could see that it changed in, in a direction that, you know, I'm not saying it's wrong, it's just maybe not what I agreed with, but when you're at the middle and the heart of it, it's it's very tough to, to, to watch that. Um, so yeah, although the following season 
you know, started off really well, like really well. We were second in League One, you know, the club's never been that before. So, you know, we were creating history again and we were carrying on that momentum again, 14, 15 games in. But then, you know, things went from bad to worse. And unfortunately, uh, Gary lost his job and, you know, I left in the summer, even though Graham had come back. But it was certainly the right time, I felt, for me to, to try a challenge elsewhere. So I wanted to ask about that season because we had that that massive overhaul in the summer and as a fan you see these players coming in with higher league experience from the Premier League academies and stuff and it's quite an exciting time. And we started really strongly, as you say, before that bad run and you got into the slump and you kind of looked at it and you thought, we've had this team where we've had the team greater than self-ethos and everyone bought in and we've lost that and we feel like it, it felt from, from the East Terrace like... We've got some players in the team now who look at little Steven and just think, you're lucky to have me here. And it was that sort of attitude that wasn't getting us over the line in those tough situations. What did it feel like in the dressing room behind the scenes? Um, well, I suppose I, I say it was just a big shift. And, and, and I, I guess, you know, I, I'm quite a deep thinker. I, I try and take responsibility for for, for my part in, in everything that I'm I'm part of um and so you know the standards and expectations that I'd come a used come accustomed to was part of was driving every day um that believed in and the people around me believed in now if those people coming in had different values different standards that they were used to believed in you know to measure them up against my standards you know was perhaps unfair um and sometimes just because you're at the same place doesn't mean that that's the right fit for that squad um you've got to adapt you've got to adjust you've got to find your own standards own values um so so that was a challenge um and i think we were i wouldn't say set in our ways but we'd become so entrenched with you know being the best you could be and working harder longer but again, if, if those, as we spoke about before, if those players hadn't been used to those, um, that method of working and it's not right for them, then it's not necessarily right to force it upon them. Um, it's a gradual thing and it would have been maybe a bit of a shock to um, for them to jump into our environment all at the same time, where if one of them was jumping in to Graham's regime two or three years ago, then it might have been easier for them to adjust on their own or as a two or a three. But if you've got 10 coming in, it's, it's very different, especially when there's no one, um, all the people driving it, it's, it's completely different as well. So I was kind of representing the old regime, but also trying to move with the new regime, which again, puts you in the middle of everything and it's complicated to say the least. Um, but there was clearly talent and ability within that squad and yeah, maybe just didn't find that right mix for yeah. long enough. Because um, because clearly it worked for a bit, and they were, you know, like I say, we were top top two of league league one. Yeah. I think it was Tramier had got off to a flyer as well. And yeah, they were top they, they were one point behind them at the, at the end. Of and the then they fell like a, they fell like a stone. Um, and Yeovil were up there, and they fell, but then they came back again um, and ended up getting promoted. But once you've got it's it like it's it's like anything in football. Like when you've got momentum, and it's a positive momentum, you just keep building on it. But 
on the flip side, when it's negative and things start to go wrong, things spiral quite quickly out of control. Um, and then one defeat becomes two, three, four. And then you think, you know, what have we got to grasp on? And, and that squad didn't have anything to fall back on. Whereas when I spoke before about the previous season in League One, when we lost four or five games on the bounce, mm -hmm. that squad had the confidence in itself to go, well, actually, you know, we've won lots of games before, you know, we've got confidence in each other, we trust each other, we'll get through this. Whereas that squad was new and it was still getting to know each other. All of a sudden it's lost four or five games and then it's like, well, I don't really know you. Um, I've not played with you before. And that can be maybe tough to, to get to the other side and unfortunately we didn't. Um, yeah. And again, maybe it was an opportunity missed. Um, disappointing way to, to leave Stevenage because before that, all I'd known is success. Yeah, it was a real gut punch to lose the club captain that summer and particularly to lose the club captain to a team, the division below us. What were the conversations like with Graham and the teammates once you uh, once you'd made that decision to leave? Well, it's funny because I was uh, I didn't know it was it, it was it was going to be him getting the job back, um, but then obviously I found out it was, um, and none of the boys knew. And obviously, again, it's it's funny because like the players that we had at the club obviously just knew about his reputation. They didn't know him personally. So, you know, you're talking about what people were thought good and bad about him. Those conversations were being had. Oh, God, he's going to make me do this. He's going to make me do that. And I'm thinking, listening to it, thinking, well, you've not even tried it yet. Um, you don't know if it's going to be like the best thing that's ever happened to you. But they'd already written it off, some of them, you know, in terms of, oh, I can't do that, I can't do that. But it's like, oh, you can't work hard, um, you know. So it was it was interesting to, to hear those conversations sort of unfold. But then when Graham reported to the training ground for his first day back at work, I was the one that had to go and let him let him in down at the bottom um, of the training ground. So it was uh, a bit of a surreal moment. Like we come full circle and then I didn't even know Dino was coming back with him. But then obviously he was there and I was like, oh, delighted to see them both um, and felt that they were the right people to turn it around because we were in a bit of a sticky patch and, and no one knew the club better than those two. So um, it was great to see them back. But I guess so much had changed for me that in a way I was already resigned to to try and my I guess to find my next challenge elsewhere and although Graham asked me to stay and he really wanted me to be part of what they were doing and at the time I had nothing lined up the previous summer I was under contract and, and wasn't allowed to leave um, and I guess couldn't look at my options because I was under contract this that summer I was under contract out of contract and and was free to leave but obviously in a less powerful position because we'd not had a as good a season and I had not performed as well as the season before um but I just felt like I needed I owed it to myself to to leave the summer to explore my options um and I just hoped that the club would respect that and Graham did um and he allowed me the the freedom to sort of explore those options but I think he already knew that I'd made my mind up to to try elsewhere um, and the opportunity to come back to the northwest and, and move close to home was obviously appealing and a club that was ambitious and 
on an upward trajectory was something that appealed to me and, and that's why I decided to go to Fleetwood. Yeah, and that, make, that makes a lot of sense. And although there was obviously disappointment among the fan base, it never felt like there was any resentment there. There was always still, you know, no, we held no, you in absolutely. that high regard. Cheers I hope, I hope I, no, I hope, I hope not. I mean, um, as I've said many times on, on in this conversation, the, the, the club <laughs> meant more to me than any club that I've ever played for. Um, goes without saying. Um, I fell in love with the, the club, the town, um, the people. You know, I, I kissed the badge and I meant it. Um, and I really did. Um, I was incredibly proud to be uh, the club's captain. And, you know, I shed tears that were through joy and despair, um, you know, I had difficult decisions to make. And, you know, when when even thinking about leaving the football club made me very upset. Um, you know, you'll have other managers or people advising you to do this, do that. And it's just not the way that I operate. So, um, you know, I'd never <laughs> treat the club with disrespect because it always respected me. So, yeah, yeah um, I hope that's the case. <laughs> um, and it will always, you know, have a special place in my heart. So, uh, before we move on to talk about about you know your other spells elsewhere and and sort of more more recent history, um, I've sort of thrown in a bit of a wild card of a question here. If you could make a five aside team from all of your Stevenage teammates, who would it be? Um, right. Okay. So. Am I allowed to pick myself or not? I won't pick myself. Of course, no. Of course, you can. I, I think it would be, I think it would be disingenuous to like not pick yourself right because you oh, were just five mad. side with with me. Oh, because well, this is <laughs> we always used to play in the. Well, it used to be at Shepelbury, um yeah. on a Friday, like on a Friday. Um, that's new. That's when you knew if you were in the team or not. Because um, Graham would take um, the starting eleven, obviously with an extra goalkeeper, so he'd bring Basil as well. And there'd be a little cage there and we'd have a five-a-side and he'd play on one team and Dino or Tumble would join in on the other team. Probably Tumble, um, because Dino used to be a bit aggressive near the boards. Um, (laughs) (laughs) We've seen how Dino tackles. We don't want that in Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, You should see him in a five-a-side cage. Um, yeah, so no he, he'd have to take he'd have to take the rest of the lads um, to do some shooting drills or some fitness work, and it was five aside, and it was like all out um, left. It was normally left hand side versus right hand side, and Graham uh, Graham would be he'd pull on his Real Madrid shirt, and uh, he'd love to grab a little <laughs> little goal with the toe bung. Um, so we'd get involved, and it was I mean proper competitive, which is a bit crazy when you think we've got a game less than twenty four like twenty four hours later, but. It was like full-blooded chin pads on um, and it was like, yeah, bragging rights for the winners. So um, we'd play a lot of five-a-sides, um, often called murder ball. Um, so, yeah, it was a bit brutal. <laughs> but uh, who would have in five-a-side team? So if I'm having myself, um, yeah, oh, who would I have? Um, I'd have to have Joel because he's got an absolute wand of a left foot. So Joel's in there. Um, I would say Beardo for effort, but he's not scoring me enough goals, so um, <laughs> <laughs> he's gonna he'll kill me for that. Um, who may have yeah, it? Pick, so, pick him for a marathon, not for five. Do you know what? I, I, you know, I, 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 Daisy's got to be the best goalkeeper I've, I've played yeah. with. But um, I, I'm going to say in a five-a-side just because of his love of training, Bezo. Yeah, 
<laughs> so Bezos, Bezos in goal, just because like Daisy, Daisy wasn't a fan of diving on a, on a Friday in a five a side. <laughs> um, he'd save himself a match day, and he would be on it on match day. You know, you know, Daisy, he's on it yeah. on match day, but yeah, not always the most comfortable. Whereas Bezos, like seventeen year old kid. Um, never lost that enthusiasm for diving about in the mud. So he's he's going in goal. Um, and so me, I'm going to go Lady. I'm yeah. going to go Joel. And then so I need one more, don't I? Oh, Bozzy. Bozzy all day. Yeah, Bozzy. Yeah. That's what a side. So I don't know. I don't, we haven't really got a set forward there, but we're just going to just run around like maniacs. So, uh, no, but I think you get goals from everywhere, don't you? you yeah, get, I think that's... Football. Got, Total football, yeah. But Bozzy yeah, can just, yards. yeah, Bozzy can drill one from like, yeah, any part yeah. of the pitch, can he? So, yeah. you, um, yeah, you obviously, go. you mentioned, you mentioned Ashley Bays there a few times. Is he yeah. really as mental as he seems? Oh, yeah, 100%. Yeah. So, like, I remember, I think, was it, was it the Mitchell Cole charity game where him, Wesley, yeah. and um, Dino ended up in the East Terrace with us? Yeah. It, it just seemed like absolutely. It wouldn't have to be a charity match with Bezo, though, would it? It'd be any game, that would be. <laughs> yeah. And he's just safe oh, all the time. Well, that's the thing. Was, uh, him, and, um, him, Ronnie and Darius were just like a, a great trio. Um, him yeah. and Ronnie, like, just like bounced off each other. And then there were so many like, little, like, you know, like, you obviously have clicks in football. Um, and I think that was one of the things that um, Graham was really keen to get away from. When I, when I first came to the club, there was obviously a lot of talented players, um, you know, some of the best players in, in non-league at the club, but it, it was probably a bit clicky um, in a negative sense. Whereas the clicks that we had moving forwards um, were all kind of healthy. Um, so you had like the London click, you know, they'd sort of socialised together. We lived in sort of like Hitchin way. Um, so we played cards, go for coffees and stuff. And we were very close together. Um, then you'd have people like Ronnie and Bezo. Um, or Jules when he was there, Darius would be in that crew and they'd sort of like bring something to the party. And then, yeah, it was just all different yeah. sort of dynamics, clicks bouncing off each other, but everyone sort of came together. So Bezo yeah. was was one of those where, yeah, he'd always lift the mood. Um, never, I, and I know he would have been really keen to be playing all the time, but he never sort of like let that frustration spill out because he, I had great respect for Daisy, sort of drove the standard without ever complaining. Um, and just one of those, yeah, lovable guys that you just love around the place that are really important. Um, and mm-hmm. a lot of what they do goes unseen. Doesn't go unheard, um, but <laughs> it goes unseen. And yeah. yeah, just a top, top character. So as you mentioned earlier, after after playing for Barrow, you had a you had a spell at Fleetwood before you then joined Cambridge, but the you know, we less we talk about them the better. And then Forest Green, um, before finishing your career with Warrington Town, again a you know, a, a local team to to where you grew up. Um, you played for Warrington like throughout the pandemic. How difficult was it like training yeah. and playing and navigating football in non league around that time? It must have been awful. Oh, it, it was, yeah, because um obviously I'd I'd left Forest Green and, and both having left Cambridge uh, the way that I did and Forest Green the way that I did um, were, were both difficult in different ways. Um, and obviously I had family, um, had young children, mm-hmm. had another child on the way, um, was moving back to the Northwest because that's where both of our families are from and, and we yeah. wanted to be based this in this area of the country. So um, 
really keen to get back and I wanted to carry on playing full-time, felt like I could, but, you know, with having not played at Forest Green for sort of the best part of six months of my contract, um, it was always going to be difficult to get the next one, um, you know, considering I was, I think, 34 at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, went on trial at a couple of places up this way. Obviously, geographically, you're reducing your opportunities because you want to be sort of based in the northwest in in terms of the clubs in and around me. Um, at that level that I felt that I could still play at and, and no club really wanted to give me a contract um, and I th- was starting um, studying, going back to university, was doing an MBA, I'd already committed to that so then you're thinking right okay, um, kind of need a club now. Um, my wife was pregnant with our third child so obviously there was different stresses and strains mm-hmm. caused by that um, but Warrington picked up the phone to me, Paul Cardin, who obviously had been at Cambridge when I was at Stevenage. We'd, we'd mm-hmm. played against each other. We'd played with each other many years ago at Accrington. And he said, you know, do you want to come down? And at the time, although we were talking about non-league before, weren't we? I wasn't ready to sort of wave goodbye to my professional career or my full-time yeah. football. But it was the best decision I ever made. And it was the only reason they ended up playing for the next four seasons. Um because I just fell back in love with football. It was nice to be wanted again, yeah. needed, appreciated, yeah. um, and playing for a club that are a mile up the road. I could walk to the stadium, great people, <laughs> uh, proper football, um, you know, just everything that is great about being involved in what we call a beautiful game. Um, it was just so nice to to be part of. It was it was difficult. Don't get me wrong. Um, in terms of dealing with the pandemic, um, you know, although I was I was contracted to the club, you know, the club didn't have any money. Um, you know, we were all we were all suffering, not knowing when it was going to start again or or not start again. It was again complicated. Um, when you think you've seen everything in football, then the pandemic gets thrown up and that just takes you, you know, completely off guard. Um, so it, it, was, it was really tough and um, to watch people, you know, at the, at the club suffering um, was, again, really difficult because it was really close to them as well. Um, you know, the, it's their life and soul um, and they put blood, blood sweat and te- tears into it. So, yeah, I think they're the, the not knowing, like anything in life, the uncertainty is, is really tough as an individual, as a player to deal with. Um, although I had other things going on because I'm self-employed, all them got um, parked to one side because everything went online. And um, obviously I was doing work online from home, but um, in terms of getting out and helping people, which is what I love to do, we weren't allowed to do that. So um, yeah, it was the not knowing and you're going into games, not only thinking, is this going to be the last game for a while, but is this my last game ever? Um, yeah. was was a, a real strange situation to be and we played at FC United and it was clear that you know the season was going to finish the following day not just like the following week mm-hmm. and you're playing in a game and we, we went 1-0 up and you think oh this is alright but then when we conceded a goal and then conceded another just you could see the motivation of the boys thinking well, what are we doing on here like you know what are we playing the season's finished tomorrow and like it was yeah Tough to see people like that, um, but thankfully, I didn't want it to be the reason that I finished, and it, it it did finish some careers. You know, some people that I know retired because 
they weren't sure when it was going to continue again. Um, but thankfully, I was able to come back and compete, you know, one last season, play a full year without any disruption and, and then make the decision to finish on my own terms rather than have it decided for me. Yeah, it's great to hear you've made such positives out of such difficult times. And I know it had us all um, checking the Warrington scores and uh, uh, <laughs> hoping for the best for you. It was a nice distraction from uh, the difficult times we were having locally. Um, what have you made of the last couple of Stevenage seasons? If we've had some tumultuous times. Well, yeah, obviously, um, it, it's, it's strange really because... I've often found in football, um, it's probably only really now that I've finished playing, it's kind of reignited my passion as a fan, just because, no, I wouldn't say I, I, I had no interest, it was just having little of my own time to really be a fan of the game whilst you were playing. Um, you're so absorbed in it that I like to do other things and I, I don't really apologise for that fact. So I'm not really someone that would, you know, watch lots of football when I'm not when I'm playing it um, because I like to spend my my own time my downtime doing other things because that helped me actually produce my best on the pitch so um, when I dropped into non-league and I'm not saying I got disconnected from what was happening in leagues one and two which is where I played you know the majority of my professional career um, but you're more interested in what's happening in and around you. So you all of a sudden become a non-league expert and you know, you, you're focusing or concentrating on what's happening at the clubs in and around you because I suppose that's your business. Yeah, um, but because but because I work with clubs that, you know, in all divisions of the pyramid, um, again, that means that I take an interest in what's happening at first team level um, for those clubs. But they're again, predominantly in the, the northwest or the north of England, from you know where I'm based, but I'll always, when I'm checking the results, Stephen should be the first one that I check for because I just want to see how they're getting on. So um, I know during the the pandemic there was a big drive and focus on the community, which I thought was was great to see. Um, I know circumstance probably works from a football point of view in their favour due to the season finishing when it. Did, should have done and didn't um, during the pandemic. And I guess from a football perspective, Stevenage were one of the benefactors in terms of could have been relegated and, you know, you know being playing in non-league. So to see that was, I guess, a positive um, from a difficult situation. Um, and then to see the club and the way that it's, you know, performed this year is just, uh, is just brilliant. Um, and it's looking very, very good at the moment. And, and hopefully... You know, is uh, the beginnings or more than the beginnings um, kind of halfway now, aren't we? Um, yeah. You know, the foundations have been laid for, um, you know, a memorable season and, and finally can get promoted and back to League One. Yeah, I, when, I think when, when I look at this this current crop of players and that conference winning size, uh, you know, I think we can make we can make quite a lot of uh, parallels. You know, if, certainly from the outside, you know, we have a fairly dis- divisive manager at the helm, um, but he's set up a current squad with an incredibly solid defensive foundation. We outwork maybe not as many of the opponents as you guys did, but, you know, we are... The the work rate we put in nowadays compared to those few years of the most miserable football in history, I'm I'm just going to say it, awful. Um, But the team cohesion, the unity, that sort of, again, makes us a bit of a a team that's greater than the sum of our parts. Um, 
I think when I, you know, in, early in the season, I saw, I saw them win quite a lot of games late on as well. And I think, yeah. you know, that 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 really did make me sort of sit up and take notes. I thought, oh, they've won again there, but look, it's late on there. And they've got an incredible, or had an incredible run of form at home, mm-hmm. um, you know, which backdates to last year. Yeah. And I think, you know, if you you build strong foundations on your home form, don't you? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's great to go and win away and, and be able to perform at different grounds. But if, if you're strong at home, you've got a great chance. And, um, you know, if you look at the table, there is a, I wouldn't say a nice cushion, but it's quite a big gap, isn't it, for this for this stage of the season. So, you know, team teams always come strong in the second half, but if they can maintain what they're doing... Um, Hopefully, uh, you know there's there's no lottery of the playoffs to consider, and it's uh, it's an automatic promotion because it be it would be, you know, it'd be great for the club, it'd be great for the town. The Steve Evans has, you know, he's been there and done it, um, and he's clearly signed some some good players, um, effective players at that level. Yeah, um, you know, I, I know Max Clark very well from my time at Cambridge. Still speak to him regularly, and I was delighted when he signed at the club because, you know, he he was a young player at Cambridge. Um, that I had a lot, a lot of time for. Um, and, you know, I, I knew when he signed for Stevenage that he'd love it there. And, and I was hoping that it was going to turn out the way it has in terms of success on the pitch for the club. So, um, yeah, I'd love to see him succeed because, uh, you know, he's a, he's a really nice lad. And um, he's when he's spoken to me, has spoke very highly of, of what's going on there. So, you, you know, you're only hearing that second hand, but... Again, that can only mean good things for the club itself. Oh, he's got he's got Scotland's big boots to fill, and that's a tough ask, but he's doing all right. <laughs> yeah. So we've covered most of the uh, footballing career. I was wondering what's life been like since, and how you're spending your times and channeling that huge driving passion we saw on the pitch all those years. Um, busy, yeah. Um, well, I suppose one of the one of the things I was conscious of throughout my career um was not preparing for my life after football but you know enjoying my life alongside football by doing other things um I'm a big believer in personal development I was I was drilled from a very young age in that you want to be the best you can be at whatever you do now at Stevenage um I I found that nice marriage between on and off the pitch of you know, driving, developing yourself in different ways to, to help your performance on it. Um, so whilst I was at Stevenage, I was studying for a degree in journalism. And when I, when I graduated from university, it was at the same time I was studying, I led the club to back-to-back promotions because I was doing something off the pitch and, and taking care of life off it. I think it empowered my performances on it. Um, so I'm a big believer. I'm very passionate about it. I was always where I felt I could add value to other athletes or other people working in sport um, by helping them understand that they can do other things, that they're not just a footballer, um, that there's more to life than that, um, and it can actually make you a better footballer. So I um, I sort of avoided the, the traditional route of, of management, coaching, did try it, got my badges after the Stevenish experience, but I didn't really feel that that was where my passion or my... Um, potential would be filled would be probably the best way of putting it so as I said before I I went to study back to university did an MBA for 
CEOs in sport. I'm, I'm really interested in the business side of, of the game. Um, so I've set my own, own business up, um, which is working as a leadership consultant. Um, obviously my passion from a captain in, in leadership, I work in and around sort of personal development, um, and also developing what I call a professional mindset. So applying the lessons of, of football to a, to a wider audience, not just in sport, but in business education. Um, so I'm really enjoying growing that business. Um, it's a challenge being self-employed, particularly over the last two or three years with the pandemic and things, but, um, it's nice to, to be in control of my own destiny and, and not reliant necessarily on an employer. Um, although people do employ me, um, and that can be frustrating and, and also rewarding at the same time. So, um, I'm really enjoying growing that, um, I work for the league football education as a personal development mentor. So I mentor 10 different football clubs now, all in the Northwest. I work for a charitable foundation called Switch the Play, uh, where I work with Premier League footballers. I work with other sports, um, developing people off the pitch to, to help them on it. And I also work for Mental Health UK now, helping um, young people 14 to 18 develop resilience. So again, that's been incredibly rewarding to be part of so uh lots of different plates to spin um but all enjoyable and, and rewarding work sounds brilliant and, and well deserved as well so you mentioned uh the training at shepherd days before they built that nice bradbury end facility for you all and uh, i used to play there in one of the uh, cages on a night after work my workmates so yeah we fairly that's regularly... where the five sides were you see yeah absolutely so we fairly regularly overlapped in the changing with changing rooms with you all and i was never brave enough to say thank you all for uh giving us such a team to be proud of and the the high regard that uh, we held you all in so thanks for coming on tonight to give me the chance to uh rectify that shy 28 year old's mistake and say it now thanks a lot for being <laughs> such a great uh captain and role model for us all, all those years it would really means a lot no, no, Pat, it's all right, mate. Um, appreciate that. You know, you know what? Obviously, I, when I was saying before, I, I, I'd done um, a sports journalism degree, and I'm really fascinated with journalists, journalism in in general, but also obviously in sport and football uh, mainly. But you know, in the World Cup, where a couple of journalists um, didn't actually ask a question, they just said thank you. Um, you know, the Moroccan, I think, when they uh, to the goalkeeper when they won the, it might have been the quarter final. Um, and obviously with Messi with the semi-final, um, I thought it was just so nice when um, someone says thank you and shows the gratitude. So it doesn't matter that you didn't say um, thank you then. It, it, we, we always knew as, as players and people how much we were appreciated by the fans because um, it was so abundantly clear and, and obvious with the way that you shared and celebrated you know, our triumphs and also picked us up when we were a bit low. So uh, thank you for saying that. But believe me, all the boys would have known um, anyway. So thank you. Yeah, I just want to you know, join in with Pat and not just say thank you for all of that, but thank you for joining us this evening. Uh, it's been absolutely bloody wonderful to have you here, to reminisce about your career with Stephen, to talk about the club, talk about everything else going on. I just want to say uh, best of luck with uh, the Lead Grow Pro. That's what you call yourself yes right? yeah yeah good 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 just got a thought oh, better cheers, get, out, get out get that in there um, and <laughs> I, hope, yeah. I hope you have had an absolutely wonderful christmas and new year mate oh i'm looking forward to it yeah it's first one 
although we had the pandemic sort of prepared me for one without um, playing football, it's actually the first official one without any football. So, uh, yeah, I might treat myself to an extra oh. mince pie. <laughs> You've well earned it. <laughs> Boxing Day is going uh, to be different, isn't it? Yeah, it is, because normally I'd be running on uh, Christmas Day uh, yeah, yeah, after the kids open the presents. So got into my running, though, so it might give me an excuse to get out of the house uh, for 10 <laughs> minutes, get my sanity back before opening more presents. But, yeah, I'm not sure if I'll watch watch a game Boxing Day. Uh, might be seeing family then, but I'll, I'll definitely catch up with a sort of local game over Christmas with my dad because uh, it's been nice after 20 years to be able to, to go, yeah, yeah. go and watch a game of football with him rather than... You know, give him that, that quick handshake or like, can't talk now, Dad. Manager's going to tell us off. So, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll speak to you later if you're one of them. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, yeah it's, uh, it's nice to experience in a different way now. Brilliant. And uh, obviously, as ever, thank you, Pat, for being on tonight. Oh, it's been an absolute pleasure, even more so than usual. <laughs> and of course, thank you to everybody for listening in. Uh, we'll be back. I don't know, New Year sometimes talk about what is it, Orient, Crawley, Gillingham. We have loads to talk about. Anyway, thank you for listening and goodbye. Troubles up again. Massinho bursting from midfield is Massinho! Well, if that is the goal to win the promotion, it's certainly worthy of it! On Old Trafford Cracker in front of the Stratford End! What do you reckon the players' favourite McDonald's is? Sweeney screams fillet of fish to me. I can see that. I reckon TVC loves a McFlurry because they're smooth as silk like his first touch. Do you reckon Macca loves a Macca's? I mean, obviously. Just look at his cheeky face. And Revs definitely takes down a McNuggets share box on his bill. You want to watch what you say about our team's nutritionist? Order McDelivery now from the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.